As we begin today, we move from subjects specifically directed to the church. Our primary application so far has been church life, and we are transitioning toward three primary institutions, marriage, family, and work. We understand work is different from the other two, but I believe the scriptures make a distinction between marriage and family. I think that there's a a difference there scripturally. One simply does not necessarily equal the other. There are aspects of the relationship between a husband and wife that simply are not shared with the children. These aspects go beyond the obvious difference of intimacy and cover all that makes the marriage relationship unique. So the bottom line is there's uniqueness in the husband-wife relationship that makes it somewhat independent within the family. Uh, Most marriages begin prior to having children. Most marriages continue long after the children have established their own households, which means that, yes, you're in it for the long haul, husbands and wives, right? All married couples who have children are to prioritize their relationship over the relationships they have with their children. In other words, their relationship really should be coming first. doesn't mean we don't sacrifice for our kids, but it means that we don't lose sight of who we're married to. A strong marriage is the foundation and framework for a strong family and even for strong children. So as we go through this today, I do understand that we have some folks who don't necessarily fit this category, fit this category yet, specifically as we're talking about wives. So I would ask that you just simply listen and and take from this what you can. Um, It's the subject that we're on. So as we um, consider this, these are additional instructions that are specific to marriage and family and the workplace. But... We need to understand that we have to carry over everything that we've been looking at when it comes to putting off sin and putting on Christ-likeness, putting on these qualities that we are to do. They involve our most personal relationships and it is logical and understandable that Paul would continue the letter in this way. In other words, going from the church to then these other specific relationships. And just so we understand, we'll also continue to use Ephesians as a parallel passage. So we begin with marriage, and Paul begins by addressing the wives. Scriptures tell us, wives, submit to your own husbands as fitting to the Lord. It also goes on to say, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. We'll get to that next week. (laughs) So what I will begin with today as we talk about the wives is that I cannot possibly describe for you how much I've been looking forward to this passage. (laughs) Now, in all seriousness, this topic faces one of the strongest cultural challenges of any biblical teaching. I'm not saying there aren't more out there, but this is a big one. And it may be one of the hardest biblical principles to live out because of the same culture that we live in. So where does that bring us? 
brings us to the beginning here. What is the meaning of submit? The word for submit here means to put under, to be subject to, or to arrange uh, under, to arrange under. It is clear that the wife does the submitting, and it is not being forced, she is not being forced into submission. All right? The wife is told, submit. So the meaning of submission here is the wife voluntarily placing herself under the authority of her husband. There's a short verse, but there's a lot of things that are kind of packed in here, and we're going to need to kind of go back to the beginning for some background. So the first thing I want to do is take us back to Genesis chapter 1. You can see that if you have your pre Bibles, that's just simply page 1. And then we'll continue with also Genesis chapter 2. So Genesis 1, I'm going to read for you verses 26 and 28. And by the way, I just want to be clear here. This is not a, pass, a, a message on creation. This is not a message on, on all the different ways that, that God uh, worked through making man and woman. It's specifically talking about the marriage relationship. So that's, that's where we're at, and we have to kind of stay focused because there's a lot there. All right? So Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. And it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now turn again to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked the man and the wife, and they were not ashamed. So what we have here is the first account of the creation of Adam and Eve, and then we have an expanded account in Genesis chapter 2. The best description that I can uh, give you as far as this idea of her being a um, comparable companion, a helper, is, is, is this, a corresponding helper or complementary helper. But the New King James comparable is an excellent translation. The word comparable means 
actually in front of or facing. God's design was that he would specifically create Eve with the same nature as Adam. Adam recognized this when he said to Eve, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, when he said of her. So in other words, he saw someone who was like him. And he saw someone who was made specifically for him. There is no indicator that the woman's role and contribution to the marriage is lesser or inferior. It is simply different. God created them as equals, as we saw in Genesis 1, yet they are to complement and complete one another in their differences. Therefore, the wife voluntarily submits, not because her position is lesser, but because this is God's design and structure for marriage. So now we're going to go to the roots of submission. We looked at the meaning of the word. Now we're going to look at the root of the word. Now, as we consider this, there is going to be a little bit of overlap. It's difficult not to do that. So we're going to go back and forth a little bit. But where does this command submit come from? We need to go back to the beginning again. It should be a very comforting thing that we are going back to the first couple, that this has always been God's plan. So, so uh, Genesis 3.16, again, now we're moving a little bit farther along in our, in our uh, narrative. We are now, unfortunately, in the place where Adam and Eve have fallen. And it says to the woman, he said, as far as uh, placing some judgment on her, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. The husband will rule over the wife. That is what this passage says. And God has determined a structure or hierarchy in marriage. I'll take us back to Ephesians chapter 5, our scripture reading for this morning. And it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. And he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So again, Ephesians is a parallel passage, a little bit of an expansion of this idea. The wife is to submit to the husband as the church submits to Christ, as the church submits to the head of the church. And again, I just want to remind us, we will get to man's, or the instructions for the husband next week, okay? So I know some of you ladies are probably thinking, man, this was the Sunday I should have missed, but I'll make sure that my husband is here next week, okay? And so that's, that's all right. So let's expand on this a little bit more. Look at 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, the primary interpretation of this passage is talking about the authority in the church. But there's a parallel structure here. Notice that Christ is arranged under the Father. So the question then is, is the Son inferior to the Father? No, absolutely not. We would completely and totally reject that. They are equals. They have different functions, but they are equals. So then the next question is, is the woman inferior to the man? And absolutely, the same answer, no. 
When I say absolutely, I was agreeing with what you were doing. I'm, to make sure to, I was agreeing with your negative comment there, okay? <laughs> wow. This is a landmine. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so submission does not mean some form of servitude. All right? We need to understand that. Paul is establishing authority and responsibility, not value. He's not distinguishing value. Now, this can and has been manipulated by some. In the King James, we've read this already in Genesis 2, 18 and 20, but instead of it saying a helper comparable, it says, I will make him a helpmeet for him. And then down in verse 20, but for Adam, there was not found an helpmeet for him. What ends up happening is, is they, they, and I actually read it that way, says, I will make him a helpmeet. They artificially hyphenate these terms and smash them together so that the wife is the helpmeet. They wrongly interpret that God determined his wife's, the wife's position as the husband's helper or helpmeet. Okay? When the word meet there actually means what we translated already, something that is comparable, someone that is of, of equal but is going to be a helper, a partner. So this is a manipulation of the text used basically for manipulation within the marriage. Now, one of the things that we have to acknowledge today is that this is not just a religious thing. Um, frankly, across the world, uh, many cultures see women as property. Um, regardless of our religious background, regardless of our, of our political background or any number of things, there are men in this world that treat women horribly because they have the wrong idea, even though they might not know anything about Scripture, they have the wrong idea of what it means to be male and female, of what it means to be husband and wife. And so we see some terrible things taking place as a result. It's, it's not God's plan. But let's go back to Genesis 3 for just a moment again, where it says here, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Notice that God does not pronounce a curse associated to Eve. We, we read uh, different parts of the scriptures. We did not read all of this. But in this context, the serpent is cursed for his part in the fall. He will now crawl on his belly. And it also says, as part of that curse, the offspring of the woman will one day crush him, defeat him. Also, the ground is cursed for the man so that he will have to work against creation, basically, in order to gain a harvest, in order to gain something productive. It's not going to be easy like it was before the fall. The scriptures draw a distinction between the serpent and the man willfully sinning to contrast that Eve was deceived. However, there are direct consequences of the fall for the woman. God gave the man 
and the woman responsibility for multiplying and filling the earth before the fall. We read that. But in Genesis 1, 27 and 28, it says here, so God created man, I'm sorry, we're reading this, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, right? But now the birthing process, according to Genesis, will be painful for the woman. Some commentators consider the sorrows that were mentioned there to include the difficulty of carrying a child. Some say it may include the fear and sometimes even the reality of losing a child. Regardless, the focus is on the hard labor that the woman will go through in childbirth. What's interesting is that's a parallel to what? The curse that man had, that he was going to go through hard labor working, right? Trying to make something of himself. But we can't overlook the part of the curse on the serpent. Because part of that says that one would come from the woman's seed who would eventually crush Satan. That that is an amazing, redeeming thing, even in all of what is happening here. That there was a plan that through the woman, someone would be born at some point that would crush Satan. And we know that that is Jesus Christ. So the first consequence is Difficulty in childbearing. The second one is that the husband will rule over the wife. Now, before we take this too far, we establish that this is God's structure for marriage. Okay? <laughs> that, that isn't specifically the curse. But man's leadership in the marriage isn't a result of the fall. All right? So that's, that's not part of the curse. But instead, God is emphasizing to the woman that she will now be under his authority in a fallen state. The woman will no longer be under a perfect man, regardless of what your husbands say. Okay? Just to make that clear. Can't happen now. All right? But seriously, folks, think about this, all right? There was no issues between them. There was no problem with them. There was perfect harmony for however long, and I don't think it was very long, before the fall took place. God brought them together, and there were no issues. Sin, the fall, brought those issues. So man, the man, is now going to have a fallen natural bent to misuse, to abuse or neglect his God-given authority and responsibility. And yes, What God is saying is, ladies, women, wives specifically, you're going to have to deal with that. Now, I do need to pause and ask just a moment. I'm not asking like for actual real responses here, but just how many of you ladies are experiencing a bit of tension right now? As I mentioned, our culture doesn't see it this way. Our culture bristles at this idea that there's anybody over somebody else. When in reality, we have authority figures all over our culture. And this one is God-ordained. Well, you might have an issue with this because you're going to have a struggle to submit. Again, let's go back to Genesis 3.16. 
To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. And then what does it say? Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. We've looked at the part before that. We've looked at the part after that. But what does this mean? Obviously, the New King James says that your desires shall be for your husband. In this context of consequences, this doesn't mean that the wife will be naturally drawn to her husband in a positive way. A consequence of sin is not being attracted to him. That really wouldn't make any sense at all. Positive attraction is not a negative thing. So what does it mean? The ESV is a really easy way to make a comparison and show you because it says your desire shall be contrary to your husband. The four, we'll get there in just a second, doesn't, they both mean the same thing. So, there, so there's a, a contrary attitude here that takes place. Wise part of the fall is that you will strongly desire the role that God gave your husband. And folks, let me just say this real quick. When we include what we've already read about the man, right? All of these things are in every home. They're in every marriage. It's there. Now, we've already established this isn't a curse, but it's a result of the fall. Yet this is still a consequence, right? It's still something that we have to deal with. Instead of your relationship being about coming alongside of your husband, your motivation will be to take charge. Some of your frustrations might sound like this. I'm more capable. And you might be. He doesn't, he's not doing it right. Someone has to take the lead. He certainly isn't. Or another one. He isn't doing what I think is important. The situation or that project is a bigger priority. Why doesn't he see that? And then things aren't moving at the pace that I think that they should be moving. Maybe too slow, maybe too fast, but he needs some direction. The hard truth, wives, is that sin has affected you too. You are going to resist and push against God's arrangement. You're going to want things to be different. You're going to want to be in control. But let's look at the specifics of submission. Again, going back to Colossians 3.18, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. To your own husbands. Not to someone else's husband. Not to another man. To your own husbands. You are voluntarily placing yourself under your husband in God's hierarchy or God's authority structure. And then it says here, because that's pretty simple to understand, it says, also says here as fitting to the Lord. This doesn't mean that the husband can claim the same authority as Christ so that the wife must do everything that he says. Right? That's not what this is saying. As fitting to the Lord, right? You submit to me so... Um, I'm now kind of claiming that I'm just like Jesus in this whole authority thing, so now you got to do everything I say. It's not really what it's saying. But it's also 
not saying that the wife can say that she is under her husband's authority only when he's acting like Jesus. Right? It can't go one way and not the other. Both of those are negated. The true meaning is pattern. Submitting is primarily a response to the Lord. Wives, you show that you are placing yourself under the authority of Christ as you place yourself under the authority of your husband. This is fitting or the right or appropriate thing to do. Someone's going to say something about this, but I didn't know this measure was going to go quite this fast. But uh, <laughs> we're gonna, it wasn't by design, I promise. <laughs> but uh, we're going we're gonna to look at some things here. And, and the conclusion is going to take a little while here. But let's understand some things as we wrap this up. God created a partnership when he created a marriage. When sin comes in and starts to mess with that is when we have the problems, both in the leadership of the male and in the voluntary uh, uh, placing yourself under the authority of the husband that the woman might do. Because this is a God-created hierarchy. He has another one. It's called the church. We looked at that just very, very briefly with Christ being our head. But Christ is actually under the Father in all of that. The woman, the wife, is to place herself under the authority of her husband as is fitting to the Lord. So as we take all of this putting on and putting off that we talked about, I should say putting off, then putting on, right? But as we, as we take on the character of Christ as we're speaking specifically here now of the woman's response in the marriage, she is going to live that out as fitting in the Lord. So when we're talking about patience, when we're talking about love, when we're talking about humility, when we're talking about these other different things, those are to be exercised by the woman. Now again, we, we, we are going to look at next week's verse next week. But right now, we're dealing with wives specifically. And we can learn as, if it's, if it's relevant, wives-to-be. That we need to understand that this is fitting to the Lord. This is how we apply the character of Christ in our lives. Just as he did before God the Father. Amen. As he walked this earth. As he did not his will, but God's. Okay? Now let's pause here for a minute. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, their relationship is not affected by the fall. Okay? They have always been, they always will be, and they are one. The husband and the wife were designed to come together as one. As equals, but different. And in that difference, there is an authority structure where the husband is ultimately responsible to Christ for not only the marriage, but also then the family. 
So on a practical basis, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, but just touching on, does, does this mean that the wife has no opinion? Does this mean that the wife doesn't, you know, contribute anything unless the husband, you know, decrees it? No, that's, that's, not, that's not the type of relationship we're talking about. There, there is an equality within the marriage. There is a, a, um, a partnership that takes place where, where they're, they're helping one another in and through life. Remember, the husband, who at the time was not one, Adam, was demonstrated by looking at all these different animals that there wasn't anybody for him. And, and there, was this, there was this vacuum there had to have been. There had to have been just for a moment this, this realization, Adam, it's just me, right? And, and God said, and by the way, his creation wasn't complete, so he wasn't saying that his creation was bad. He was saying this situation was not good. And so therefore he created another being just like Adam to partner in life with him. Now, again, we return to just kind of concluding here. Part of the consequence of sin entering in the world is that the man is now a fallen leader. And ladies, you're going to have to be patient with us. The fall created within the heart of the wife a desire to go against the God-given order and take the lead. This is the tension that every married couple experiences. It happens. Now again, I want to pause and, and just kind of put some flesh onto these bones here. Does that mean that the wife can't disagree? No. Does that mean that they can't have a discussion about things? I, I rely upon my wife to make good decisions. It doesn't mean I can't make one on my own. It means that there's many times I don't even want to try to make one on my own. I want it to be a decision that we both make. Because it's about the home. But ultimately, guess what? I'm responsible for that. If I'm an irresponsible husband and our finances you know, go off the, off the rails, who's God going to hold accountable? I don't care about the bank. Who's God going to hold accountable? If we're not traveling in the right direction spiritually, who's God going to hold accountable? You know, again, we're just we're just helping us understand this because sometimes if the family, if the home isn't going in the right direction, it can be the leadership, but it can also be, meaning the husband, but can also be the wife wanting to make sure that her agenda is heard and done. Now, again, folks, this isn't easy to say. But the things that we're talking about in relation to the fall happen in every marriage. It's just what subject is, is your thing? What situation are you going to be involved in where you have to submit? You have to place yourself Christ-like under the authority that God has given to you. It isn't necessarily easy. 
Obedience is not always easy. So again, as I conclude, we aren't finished. Next week, we will examine the instructions to the husband. And although we're not going to give a full marriage series, we will follow up by just kind of talking about how this all works together because obviously Ephesians gives us some more information. Colossians, the specific thing here is, hey, there's a couple of things that you guys need to know. And, and, it's, and it's in addition to what you're to put off and what you're to put on. The first one is, wives, you need to submit to your husbands. The next one is, to the husbands, husbands, love your wives. And there's, there's a little more to that. Okay? And so as we talk about that next week, I just want us to understand that there's a responsibility for both of us. Now again, it may not directly affect you. But boy, there's, there's some lessons here about just placing ourselves under the authority of Christ for anybody to see as a picture. There's some lessons here about how we, even if we're right, there's a right way of going about things. So as we conclude this morning, um, we're going to take these subjects as they come. And, you know, we can all read ahead. <laughs> and I knew this was coming. And it is uncomfortable because guess what? I'm not a woman. I'm not a wife. I'm not going to give birth ever. Promise. Okay? So there are things that I cannot relate to. At the same time, God has given us a revelation. God has given us some instructions. And if I stay within that, I can safely present to you, even though it's at this time in our culture, very, very countercultural, for the wife, the biblical thing to do is be like Christ and place yourself under the authority, the God-given authority of the husband. You and your husband need to determine what that means, how that's applied. Right. That much I cannot and would not assume to do for you. Let me just end by saying this. Everybody's thing is different. Isn't it easy sometimes to go, look at how they operate. Mm, I don't know. It doesn't quite measure up. Right? Right? They're different than we are. Not quite as good. <laughs> Now, sometimes it might be, look at the way those operate. We should be like them. Okay? <laughs> you know, that can happen too. But in reality, each husband and wife, each marriage needs to find its pace, needs to find how this operates. Right. Men need to lead and to love. Women need to be able to follow blindly without any opinion without any conversation absolutely not it's a partnership Amen. and a loving husband guess what he'll want that and we'll, we'll get to that next week I'm going to get too far ahead of myself but a wife who recognizes the authority that God has given to her is going to express the character of Christ 
while doing that. And again, what can we all take from that? That's the same character that we're to have to our Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's just a simple fact that in certain cultures, if I said what I said this morning, it would actually be looked at as backward and wrong. Not because I'm telling wives to submit. Of course, I'm not doing that. You are. But because I haven't said enough. Because in some cultures, Lord, you know that women are mere property, that their value is quite low and sometimes terribly cheap. It's a lesson that we men need to learn. Because if we love our wives, we will place great value upon them. As you have. And so as we have presented to the wives of our body of believers in a fallen state, both husband and wife, to follow the lead of their husbands, Lord, we, we know that you are not asking a small thing. We thank you that it's something that they can and should do willingly, beginning with being married in the first place and then in following their husband's lead. So, Lord, I pray that you will give our wives, courage. Courage to obediently place themselves under the authority that you have established. Father, so many times we remind ourselves that we're not asking or speaking about something that needs to begin, but instead needs to continue and needs to possibly grow. So as we all experience sanctification, I pray that that sanctification would take place in our homes, in our marriages. And we thank you that we have a pattern, that we have instruction, and that there's even an acknowledgement that all of this is taking place in a fallen world. Lord, I pray that you will protect our women our wives, our girls from the culture that right now is so anti-male, so anti-scripture that really there is very little out there that is encouraging Christ-likeness. We thank you for your grace. In Christ's name, amen.